everybody and welcome to EGA's podcast, Telling Stories from the Clubhouse. I'm Mona Shetty, your host for the evening from Sound Vision Studios in India. And uh, I have with me two awesome guests from Transperfect, Jacques Bahou and Pierre Longchantin. Did I get the names right? Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so, hi guys, welcome. Can you please uh, tell me a little bit about what you do at Transperfect so that we can get this conversation going? Pierre, would you like to go first? Sure. So, um, I have a, we have a team of uh, AI researchers at Transperfect specialized in speech technologies. And uh, the aim of this team is to research and develop um, solution for speech content creation. Uh, so we work really closely with uh, production studios at Transperfect, and we try to develop tools to help them in the process of uh, production. Uh, they have uh, different uh, needs that we try to facilitate. So they have needs in terms of uh, scaling, uh, how to scale the production, for instance, of large quantity of audio description. Uh, they have also need in terms of cost, cost reduction. Uh, let's say they want to to avoid um, when you have to do retext, you know, for dubbing, having the voice actor to come back to the studio can be quite costly. So if we can find solution to avoid this, that can be that can be really useful. They also have uh, needs in terms of uh, voices. They might want to to have voices like voices of child, which can be really sometimes difficult to cast or direct. Or they they might also want to have voices of people like celebrities from the past, or try to reproduce the voice of a voice actor which was young in another in previous season, you know, and try to con to preserve this voice characteristics. And they also have um, apart from these needs, they also have requirement. So one of the main requirements is that they they really want high quality speech. Uh, it can't sound like a, like synthetic speech. So it has to be really natural and really high quality. Uh, that's uh, sometimes can be really challenging because everybody is an expert, you know, in detecting artifacts in voices because we we use that all, all the time. So that's one of the the main requirements for for the for the studios. They also have a requirement in terms of uh, controllability of the speech. Um, for instance, they want to control the timing, which can be useful for dubbing or try to, to have control on the expressivity of uh, the generated speech. So um, to try to answer um, this question, we developed two main technologies, um, text-to-speech, where you try to generate uh, speech from, uh, from text, and uh, voice morphing, which is uh, basically uh, you have an existing sample, existing recording in a voice, and you try to modify this voice so that it sounds like a, a voice of another person, like we say, uh, like a target voice. Um, and both these technologies are um, based on uh, uh, like statistical models that are basically uh, obtained by, the, by a technique which is called voice cloning, which we might uh, cover in other uh, podcast and basically voice cleaning what you try to do is to extract the characteristic uh, of a voice from a few samples of recordings and once you have extracted this uh, characteristic you can use this model to generate speech either from uh, text or from voice so in terms of the characteristic we try to extract there are mainly two uh, we call it uh, the timber the voice timber and the prosody 
So the timber is more related to uh, the color of your voice and is directly linked to, to the shape of your vocal tract, you know, um, and the shape of, um, which include the, 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 the shape of the nasal cavities, the yeah. shape of the, all the vocal tract and also the vocal cords. And it's really specific to, um, to a, a person which make it uh, sound different from another one. Um, the other aspect is what we call prosody, which is more linked to how you how you use uh, your voice. So it's more about the, the rhythm, the intonation, uh, how you do the posing, but also how you um, how your regional accent or the expressivity uh, you try to to convey through your speech. And those are aspects, both timbre and prosody, that we try to extract during voice cloning and try to modelize so that we can use this model to generate speech from either text or, or voice. So now that we have said that, that there are many uh, uh, applications and many um, use cases for that. So for instance, for text-to-speech, as I mentioned, uh, we have this uh, use case of um, audio description when you want to generate a large amount of audio description in a rather neutral voice. Another use case can be um, uh, like for voiceover. In this case, you might want to, to convey the, the expressivity also of the original uh, lines into the, the target language. So you want to preserve also the characteristic of the voice, which is a, a different um, a requirement than for audio description, for instance, where you want a neutral voice in the... Yes. In a, not in a specific voice. And for voice morphing, we also have different uh, applications. One application can be having one actor doing multiple voices. Uh, those voices can be specific, like existing uh, voices, or can be also a voice that you recreated or like voice which were designed. So for instance, one voice actor can be different voices, voices in the anime uh, movie, you know, by having uh, different characters. Um, another, uh, another application of voice morphing is can also be creative. Uh, like you want to extend um, the abilities of the voice actor, for instance, to speak in another language that he can speak himself or to make him uh, sing perfectly or either, um, to also uh, morph his voice to specific, um, uh, things like a, vo um, a mix of, uh, human voice and animals. That, that's something we did. Uh, maybe you can come back to that after. We did a, in a movie recently that was presented at Cannes Festival where they wanted to use this uh, voice morphing in a more creative way. So there are many um, uh, applications for that. I think we can come back to that uh, later on. Yeah. Great, great. And I'd like to uh, speak to Jacques for a minute. Jacques, could you tell us a little about what you do at Transperfect? So I joined Transperfect four years ago and yeah. after a, a long career at Warner, as that's where we met each other. And yes. um, now I'm vice president of media and interactive entertainment, meaning yes. I'm, uh, I'm taking care of all the issues relating to dubbing. And that's right. why we work a lot with Pierre on the same right. subject that he was talking about. Um, right. I'm also responsible for the Debbing Academy, which is a school for uh, online school for uh, for young actors, and right. uh, also our um, design for the um, remote recording platform, uh, which is in the cloud, which is also uh, another uh, very interesting project. And uh, 
and all this project, Transperfect is a very uh, a tech tech company. It's yeah. uh, they do they, they do dubbing, but we do also a lot of research. And Pierre is one example. I'm in another department, but we try to uh, uh, use the tools, find business model for the tools. So Pierre is right. researching, and I'm trying to apply what uh, what he's finding to our uh, produ- production processes. Right. So, um, uh, what's interesting for me now is is the is the question that everybody is asking, especially in the localization community and the dubbing community. That um, is AI going to be a threat to us, or is it going to help us? Aha. So that's the big, big, big question right now. And since you're training so many voice actors, I'm sure they're asking you this every day. Absolutely. They are asking and they are all very scared. And uh, the, I read in the news uh, this morning that finally the European Union uh, representative are going to vote um, a text to start thinking about the regulation of AI. So th- this is not going to happen tomorrow, but at least the yes. European want to be the first one to regulate uh, regulate AI. Uh, because uh, right now the regulation, the the lack of regulation is a big problem, and right. uh, we talked earlier about the strike of the writers in America, uh, right. which which has nothing to do with what Pierre or uh, I'm doing, but it's interesting because the writers are in strike because they don't want their past work, their script, to be. Uh, used by a machine to generate new scripts. So right. Pierre was talking to you about generating voices. In yes. in the case of the writer, scripts would be generated. And yes. obviously, that's a big problem. Without yes. regulation, that's very difficult. Right. So um, where are we today in terms of AI and uh, what have we achieved successfully? What are the commercial use cases that uh, localization is uh, able to use uh, AI for? And uh, where are we looking to go from here? Like Pierre was saying, and he can develop a little bit more uh, about that after, the the morphing seems to be uh, right now uh, for the being a, a hybrid solution. You know, right now the technology is so new that it will never be black or white. Uh, right. So it's uh, AI will uh, bring some hybrid solution in the in the process. Let's say, uh, like Pierre was explaining, with the morphing, you could have one actor doing a few roles, a few minor roles, and uh, the AI can morph this actor in different uh, voices, so you won't be able to recognize it. Uh, We, you and me, know the dubbing process so well that in animation, we do that naturally. Uh, yes. you, have a, you have a lot of uh, actors that are able to do a lot of voices, you know. Yes. Uh, and uh, But this is specific for animation because of the voice characterization. If you talk like that, oh, if you talk like that, that's very different. So yes. uh, you, you may use that, but it costs a lot of money for, uh, for low-budget uh, product you may use that. You may use dubbing 
to have uh, less actors and more characters at the end. And uh, and Pierre, maybe you can explain a little bit um, how complicated it is for you to uh, to arrive to a result like that, and uh, what do you need to to morph voices? I think that's interesting to to ask. Yeah, I think uh, where we are now, I think we can really produce really good view, good voice, like a neutral voice. They, they are like indistinguishable from. Uh, from uh, read voices so for instance for audio description we can already generate uh, uh, i would say really high quality voices the, um, for voice morphing as well uh, as Jacques mentioned uh, we already start to use that in production for secondary roles uh, most of the time it's the the primary uh, roles, the, the person who is doing the primary roles is also going to do the secondary one and then we apply morphing on those. And um, it works really well for like uh, when the voice is quite neutral. Uh, it becomes more difficult when the, the voice is more uh, uh, more expressive, like if the characters start to shout, things like that, it becomes uh, more challenging for the models to to do it mostly because so far we used uh, like uh, neutral uh, neutral recordings to do the training of our models. But the more data we will use, the more uh, expressive data we will use, the more expressive we will be able to, more expressive voice we will be able to, to convert. Right. And uh, when you're converting, when you're morphing one voice into another, what legalities does that entail, uh, Jacques, for the for the voice actor whose voice you're using? So um, that's a very good question. The, the, the standard assignment of rights that we call in uh, Los Angeles AOR, yeah. uh, the AOR is basically um, telling that the actor gives to the client the right to use the recording that was done for a specific project and yes. uh, and that's it and uh, you have all rights all rights minus theatrical you have the different rights but it stays like that uh, and it obviously uh, for morphing uh, it's a little bit different or for time uh, text to speech where the machine can generate a voice uh, it means that the actor will, if you want, give its voice to the machine and the machine will reproduce the voice. So if you think about the concept, it's pretty complicated for an actor to do that. We did it sometimes, but the contracts are completely different because we are buying the rights to the actor and they cost a substantial amount of money. Because ob obviously uh, the actors need to is giving you the authorization to use its voice, and uh, and after you can use it the way you want. Now you have two two um, uh, options. Uh, either way, the text to speech and Pierre was telling telling you about generating voices. So yeah. it would be a generation of voice, and it could be the voice of the actor as is. Or this voice could mm -hmm. be part of a synthetic voice that you will not recognize. So one of the key components in the contract is, is the voice going to be recognizable or not? And that will change the nature of the contract. And, and, and maybe Pierre can tell us a little bit about the synthetic voices. Yeah, so 
as uh, Jacques said, we can't generate uh, voices that don't belong to anybody. So what we do is that we, we train what we call multi-speaker models, multi-speaker multi-language models, which are trained from a, a large quantity of, uh, of uh, human voices. What we try to do is to, to cover all the diverse diversity that there is in human voice. And once we have this model, uh, we can either try to find really quickly a voice which match uh, an existing voice from a sample. So we extract uh, the identity, so some uh, um, some vocal voice print uh, on this and try to find in this, uh, what we can call a speaker space, the, the speaker which is the closest one, or we can try to find um, a combination of uh, characteristics of the speakers which are including the tab database that sounds the closest to the, this voice. So at the end, we obtain a synthetic voice that doesn't, that doesn't belong to any of the, of the, of the voice actor which are used to, for the training. And we can either do it from samples or we can do it by selecting some characteristic, like if you want a voice which, are, which is more low, if you want a voice which is more brazy. So there are different ways of selecting those voices on, crafting and designing this voice that's something we work a lot with uh jack that voice creation yeah. and how are you adding punctuation or nuance or emotion to it and that's that is one of the problem because the text to speech is not as expressive as an actor so right. when uh, uh, as a use case the text to speech which is you type the text on your computer and the computer is going to play the text. So, but now how the computer can know if you want to say hello or hello or yeah. hello. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the computer cannot know that. So right. uh, that's why this technique is really not used for dubbing, but it's used for audio description for uh, in our industry because uh, in our industries that uh, for subtitles, something like that. Uh, but, um, or voiceover, very simple voiceover, e-learning programs. But in fact, we are listening to this every day because when you take your car and you are a navigator in your car, when you call your insurance company, all these answering machines are uh, generate, generated voices because... Yeah. You know, you cannot have an actor record all these uh, answers uh, before because uh, it's impossible. It's too many options. So that's like how uh, IVR used to be recorded back in the day. Exactly. Yes. Just finishing on that. Mm -hmm. At this point, uh, the when you need to really uh, act, when you need to express something, an emotion, the actor is still the the best thing to do at this point, you know. Now, in 10 years, we will see. But now, uh, AI, I think AI can help a lot, can do uh, a lot of tasks that the human will, uh, you know, like uh, background vocals, you know. Uh, you know, in movies, you have a, a line uh, in the background saying, hey, be careful, things like that, you know. Uh, in action movie, you have very little lines that often are forgotten, by the way, uh, at the recording. So uh, AI can help doing all these little things, generate little dialogue that are not so important and they are not going to be on, on screen on the first, uh, first plan of the mix. Right. So 
uh, for localization. Sorry, Pierre, did you want to add to this? Yeah, I, I wanted to add that um, you asked about posing on how to control expressivity. So as Jacques said, uh, in the case of voice morphing, uh, the posing on the expressivity is actually uh, provided by the original recordings. We only modified uh, the voice timbre. So this is already included into the original voice that you try to convert. But in the case of text-to-speech, you need to uh, generate this prosody in order the rhythm and the, the posing. So in terms of posing, um, basically, if you want to add a pose, you can add a, like a comma on the model knows how to generate, how the voice actor generate this pose when you see, when you read um, a comma uh, or other punctuation. In the case of uh, expressivity, there are two ways of doing it. Either you train a model on different expressivities and you, you tag them so that when you will type the, the text, you can say generate this in a, in a happy way or in a sad way, and then generation would be done this way. So you can either give a tag or you can also provide a, a sample of a voice uh, with a um, given expressivity on, on say, let, uh, let extract the expressivity of the samples and apply it, apply it to the sentence I want to generate. So there, there are two kinds of approaches. It's a little right. bit like music, yeah. in fact, if I understand correctly. It's a little bit like music. When you write music and you write a pause, mm. you write a silence, and uh, the timbre would be the, the sound of your instrument, a guitar, a piano, a flute, or a saxophone. And, uh, and after the expressivity will be the how you play the melody. You can say da-da-da-da, or you can da 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 or da-da-da-da. You know, all, all the way you can express yourself with the voice. Yeah. I love how you always come back to music, Jacques. Uh, I always <laughs> come back to music. That's my model. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because yeah. it's really the same thing, because it's it exactly is. the same. It's the same concept. Mm. Yeah, it's like writing music. And, and it just means that you have to punctuate a little more carefully and a little more correctly. Yes. Uh, and maybe a little more minutely for those expressions to come out correctly, right? Exactly. So what, what kind of workflow would we be looking at uh, to employ uh, these kind of uh, AI techniques uh, for localization? So, for example, if we're doing subtitling or if we're doing dubbing or if we're doing audio description, maybe three, three, these are the three largest uses, uh, largest cases of localization. So um, can you can you give us a sense of the workflow, how you would, what, what are the, where are the points of uh, human intervention? What are the points of uh, checks and balances and how uh, somebody would uh, carry a project through this? Oh, Pierre can tell you about uh, for the audio description, the, the workflow for subtitling, uh, I mean, what we are doing, it's, uh, it's working on the sound. So subtitling is not uh, something that we, uh, we treat unless you want to have a subtitling, subtitles narrated uh, on, script, on the script. And that could be a, a good use. Aren't case. we using machine translation for subtitling? A lot of companies do, and it depends the content. Uh, machine translation at Transperfect, we are doing a lot of machine translation. Uh, if we have to translate a movie, we won't do machine translation because, right. you know... Uh, emotion. 
like I say always, you don't dub to a language, you dub to a culture. So you have to apply to the culture, or the local culture, the history, the, the trends, the slang, etc. So machine translation is good for uh, a lot of things, but for dubbing audio, uh, dubbing for uh, entertainment is, is not yet there. Now, Pierre can talk a little bit about the the audio description process, which is pretty simple. Yeah, so for audio description, so we we have this step where, where we first need to detect where the audio description can be can be pronounced. So we can use an automatic solution to do that. Once the the the, the author know where he can include the, the lines, he's going to type. Uh, no, the description is done by by human, and then we have. Uh, at the end, uh, the lines, the, the the text, and the corresponding timing, and according to that, we're going to do generation of the voice corresponding to the the text, uh, constrained by this timing. So basically, we have a, a like a SRT file uh, where we we have the 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 text to generate under constraint of timing. So we generate this speech, and then we can include it in the in the in the original media. Um, those are things you mentioned was um, for voiceover. So it really depends if you want to do uh, lip sync uh, or not. For now, we don't do lip sync. It's really hard to to do. Uh, I mean, you can do it, but then the the uh, the, the part where they do the the lip sync the, to 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 find the translation which ma match the lips is done manually so far. But in the case where you just do a voiceover, like a simple voiceover, you just want to generate a the, trans, the, the translated version of uh, what is said. Um, the, the first part is more like uh, subtitling, you know, so we, you can run uh, automatic uh, speech recognition on the, on the audio to first extract uh, what has been said in the original language. Then you can yeah. use uh, machine translation, as you said, uh, or you can also have a, a step of uh, reviewing of uh, this translation once this is uh, translated and you have the right timing, then it's really similar to the audio description that I mentioned. You generate uh, the speech according to the timing, knowing that you can also add, um, uh, you can also try to express, to generate the, the sentence in the same expressivity and with the same voice characteristic of the original uh, original recording. So basically we try to find a voice which matched the uh, the original lines, and we can also um, try to match the expressivity of it. In, in fact, nothing in all the processes we can talk about, at this point, nothing is 100% AI. Mm. Uh, even machine translation, uh, we use machine translation at Transperfect for different projects, but you always have a human reviewing. Uh, there is no... There is no machine doing the job alone at this point. You know? Right, of course. So how far are we away from that? Ay, ay, ay. That's a, <laughs> that's a tricky question. And, uh, and, and frankly, I don't even know if it's really the valid question. Because if you think about it, when machine translation started, and I have some colleagues that at Transperfect are working on the machine translations, and they were telling me 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when the machine translation started, 
everybody was freaking out. And everybody said, that the end of the translator, the translator are all going to lose their jobs. And what happened? Because the machine translation was able to do a first pass and accelerate the process, people started to translate more. So in fact, right. it, gener it generated more volume. And now you have more translators than before. So right. and uh, more reviewing going on. E exactly. So we have to think about this is a great example. So AI, I don't think AI will replace completely the actors one day, but it can help them doing little tasks, like I said. It can also be a very good uh, promoter of dubbing. You know, we Transperfect as studio in uh, in Kenya, Vietnam, Morocco, I would say emerging markets. And in the emerging markets, using AI can help to generate content and to convince the broadcaster to dub more. You know, right. uh, you know, you know the problem. Generate volumes also. Exactly, generate volume for the broadcaster for the client to say, okay, we can now do some dubbing uh, in Kenya. Great, and I was there uh, two months ago, and it's it's fantastic. So knowing that the client starts saying you okay start dubbing more so in fact ai will help to bring a new generation and generate more volume we can see it this way or we can see it well it will uh, kill the whole industry but i don't think so yeah i don't think so either because uh, i i think there is a great uh, importance we have to attach to the work that uh, humans do and uh, I Absolutely. don't think that can be easily replicated. So, um, I, I mean, I'm trying to be positive about it and think that this is here to help us uh, be faster, be better at our work and, uh, you know, maybe um, give us more time and space to really fine tune our work at the human end uh, while the more mundane and regular stuff is being done at the AI end. Exactly. So if we you can are... use our expertise and our time more effectively to really beautify and embellish things a little bit Ab more. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, if you have uh, uh, three, four characters, main character in the movie that are doing 80% of the lines uh, as it is normally, well, yeah. if this is done by human actors, that will be great. And all the rest can be done by AI and nobody is really paying too much attention on that. So, uh, and AI will get better and better. Pierre can, uh, can tell you that in a few years, since we started to work on these processes, the machine progressed. Is so Pierre, how long have you been working on this? Oh, long time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I started in uh, 2010. Oh, so 2010. Yeah, yeah. 13 years. Yeah. Wow. And I joined, we joined Transperfect in 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, where do you see it going from here and how fast do you see it progressing now? Do you find more and more use cases every day and more and more commercial use for what you're developing and what you're researching? Yeah, definitely. The, the the more the quality is improving, the more use cases there are. Um, yeah. So one thing we already used uh, in production is the voice morphing, as we say, to to try to to do like secondary character using voice morphing. 
we will already uh, use it um, for audio description as well. And uh, there are also, as I mentioned earlier, like a more creative application of voice morphing, like uh, the movie I was mentioning. So people are, are becoming really more and more aware of uh, the possibility of uh, AI and they use it also in a creative way to extend the abilities of the, the voice actors. Uh, this is really key because we don't know yet. And I go back to the music instrument, you know, when, uh, when you invent an instrument, you don't know what, which type of music you are going to, to do with it. Exactly. And, and, and uh, like the German guy who invented the saxophone, Adolf Sax, uh, on the 19th century, he, he had no idea about the music that was going to be played on, on the saxophone. And so we don't know what AI can, can do for us. And we are going to discover uh, use cases because you don't know in advance. Uh, so that is also very, uh, very fascinating. Uh, it's too early to say, I want to do this, I want to do that. We are going to discover uh, what we can do and maybe adapt the tool to do more things. Yes, and you and I have already spent 30 or 40 years trying to discover what we can do with our voice, our instrument, <laughs> so to speak. So right. I'm, sure, I'm sure AI will take its own time too. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, and I think this has been a great conversation. It's also been great in terms of the positivity towards AI. Mm -hmm. You know, this there always seems to be so much of um, uncertainty and fear and negativity towards AI because everybody thinks it's a black hole. We don't know what's inside. Um, exactly. So, you know, I, th I think this is nice to keep these kind of conversations going where we know where it's heading and we know what to expect and we know what, why we need it uh, at all. I mean, of course, there's going to be a lot to iron out in terms of the legalities, the regulation, That's all of that key. has to come in. That has to come in. Uh, just like it did, I mean, I mean, like unions came in, right? And there was so much of regulation and there were so many, I mean, uh, laws and governments come in and stuff like that. Similarly, I think AI will also have some regulation and legality mm -hmm. around it uh, yeah. in time. And hopefully it will, um, it will have its own place and it will not really displace us from doing what we are really good at doing. It will rather help us. And, I, uh, I think so. Yeah. So, Pierre, what 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 would you say we can look forward to? Uh, maybe some give us something to dream about over the next uh, <laughs> one, two, or five years. Uh, I think like uh, automatic dubbing, as we mentioned earlier, is something uh, where research laboratories are already working on to have this uh, a full uh, uh, pipeline of automatized uh, dubbing. So. It it kind of already works pretty well, uh, you know, uh, on um, like a documentary where you have only a single speaker uh, uh, speaking. Uh, some laboratories also add um, a video edition, like uh, editing the the move of the lips, so that you can uh, you don't have to do the lip things. You can just directly modify the lips. So I think that's something which is going to come. In the, that's a whole different conversation, oh, yeah. isn't it? Because we don't know whether actors and producers and filmmakers are going to allow, again, the exactly. rights for, for, for mm -hmm. the change of their face and their lips and their mouths, right? Yeah. So, yeah. 
That's that another that's another discussion. That's a yeah. whole different podcast. Yeah, it, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's AI for picture instead of AI for sound. Right. True, well, it combine it combine both. It combine the the sound, but also the the picture. So, like for the the translated part, uh, by editing the the videos, you uh, you you minimize the constraint link to the lip sync. So it combines both speech and uh, and video editing. But I think yeah, the 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 full pipeline automatized automatized pipeline for uh, dubbing is something which is going to come in, in the. In the years to come, pretty soon. At okay. first, for like documentaries, and we are still quite far to do it for like uh, action Drama. movies. Yeah, that that's something. But I think the, the more we come, the more we go, the more expressive the voices are are going to be. Right, right. And and how are we looking at this in terms of time and cost, vis a vis what we are already doing? Obviously, we're looking at a substantial saving of time. Am I Absol right? Absolutely, because if you have one actor doing a few roles, if, even if it's a few minor roles, you know, uh, in America, you have a very strong uh, union with SAG and you have a minimum time for each recording session. In a lot of countries, it's also like that. So if you have one actor that is going to do a few roles in one session, you will obviously save money there. Uh, uh, you will save money if you do audio description. If the machine is generating the the the, the sound, the, the the dialogue for you, so you yes, and and that's why I, I was saying we hope that this is going to generate more business because with a lower cost, more people are going to try to localize their content. Because right. the dubbing is still very expensive compared to the subtitle. You still have countries where you find subtitles because dubbing is too expensive. Right, right. Absolutely. So this Where's is a little bit a hybrid solution between subtitling yes. and, uh, and, and, and dubbing. It's like see. finding the mid path, a Always. more cost-effective uh, solution, Always. perhaps. And, and right. just a little anecdote to finish. I just read this morning on the magazine that uh, Paul McCartney is releasing a, a, a Beatles song with John Lennon. So with AI, uh, they were able to use the voice of John Lennon and McCartney and Lennon were singing together. So this wow. is... This is the beauty of AI, and nobody can contest You can resurrect that. people. Icon. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> we should leave our listeners on that happy I, I uh, think so too. <laughs> it's always lovely speaking to you, Jacques. Uh, I've always enjoyed all our interactions. Same here. And it's been lovely meeting you, Pierre. Uh, all the best for the fantastic work you are doing. And uh, please keep educating us about the work you're doing, because I think uh, the, the lack of education and the lack of information is what leads to fears and, uh, you know, all kinds of uncertainty. Mm. So, uh, yes, please keep educating us. And this has been a great, uh, great learning for us. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Jacques. Thank you, thank thank you. you very much. <laughs> Join us next time when we share more stories about elevating the art and science of global storytelling.